Follow-up is key to success in this business. Wholesaling, you have to follow up with your leads. Did you know that 48% of salespeople never follow up with a prospect? 25% of salespeople make the second contact and stop. 12% of salespeople make three contacts and stop. And only 10% of salespeople make more than three contacts. Here's where it gets really interesting, guys. 2% of sales are made on the first contact. 3% of sales are made on the second contact. 5% of sales are made on the third contact. 10% of sales are made on the fourth contact. And here's the powerhouse. 80% of sales are made on the fifth through twelfth contact. What does that mean for you? It means you need to follow up with your leads. You need to set your follow-up on autopilot by using a CRM. Visit dpipodcast.com forward slash CRM to learn more about the CRM that the discount property investors are using in their business. You can follow up with text, email, voicemails, all automatically. Get to the 5th and 12th contact faster and close more deals. Again, visit dpipodcast.com forward slash CRM. Welcome back to Season 2 of the Discount Property Investor Podcast. Our mission is to share with you what we have learned from our experience and the experience of others to help you make more money investing like a pro. We want to teach you how to create wealth by investing in real estate the discount property investor way. Make sure you never miss an episode and download the Discount Property Investor app in Google Play or iTunes today. To jumpstart your real estate investing career, visit freewholesalecourse.com, the most complete free course on wholesaling real estate ever. Thanks for tuning in. All right, guys, welcome back to the Discount Property Investor Podcast. Today, your host, Mike Slane, joined with David Dodge. David, welcome. Hey, guys. Welcome, David. What are we doing today? We're talking uh, talking a little bit about overcoming challenges, right? Wholesale challenges, yes. It's, it's, it's uh, very similar to the most recent episode we've done about barrier busting, um, but it is focused on challenges that people are having with wholesaling specifically and how they can overcome those challenges. Great, great. Yeah, so kind so, of a part two to last week. We, yes, uh, we published one on some questions we got from people, so we're going to do similar format. We'll, uh, we'll look at the questions, and then we're going to kind of try to reach out and answer those questions. That's right. I think one of our goals this year was to help as many new people get started in real estate investing as we can because, Absolutely. again, that's, that's what's happening right now. I mean, there's a ton of people getting into the real estate investing space because the market's hot. I mean, that's what I've seen. It. I feel like, I mean, don't you feel like you kind of Absolutely. see that as well? I know it's difficult when you're in a specific thing to kind of really see it from the outsider's perspective. But I really do feel like there's more and more people uh, in the real estate investing space. So our goal is to help help the new people. It uh, is. Learn from our mistakes and, and get get started on the right foot. That's right. So some of the, the biggest help that I've ever received was from coaches and mentors that I had. Um, so, you know, a lot of this stuff that um, that we're teaching – um, you know, it kind of relates back to, you know, so challenges that, that we've had in our own careers and our, our own day-to-day uh, business. Well, it's challenges we still have. And challenges we still I have. I mean, like the one right. uh, last week, I know we talked about, and we'll probably hit on it again today because it's a, it's a common theme, but it's how do you find that motivated seller? How do you find that, you know, I can't find a deal? Well, that's a challenge that you're, you're constantly going to be looking for. I mean, that's, that's half of real estate investing is looking for the next deal. 
or looking for the money for that deal. That's right. Those are constantly what we're doing. Uh, the money for the deal could be your C buyer if you're wholesaling it. Could be the end buyer, or it could be again if you're rehabbing it, finding the dollars to rehab it with. Are you using private money? Are you using hard money? Are you using your money? Uh, so again, it, it's it's a constant challenge. We're always facing it. So again, we're learning new things, uh, hopefully challenging ourselves and and uh, failing forward. That's, that's right. Our, that's our goal. Fail, fail fast, fail, yeah. fail forward. That's right. All right. So let's do it. Let's jump in. Let's jump think? in. All right. So another one of the questions that we had received was. I'm going to read this. It's kind of a longer one, but it says, I want to thank you for taking the time out of your day to help us new guys in this business. Uh, my main concern is the fact that I've spent thousands of dollars on marketing just to come up with people that want to see what I'll give them for their home. I realize that the motivated seller is only a small percentage of the people that actually want to sell their house. Being anxious to complete deals, I show up to the, ho to the house only to be met with what do you think my house will sell for? Kind of a letdown, in my opinion. I need to learn how to filter out the tire kickers and focus and learn how to work, not deal with truly motivated sellers. I say that right, Mike? Mm -hmm. How to work, but not deal with the motivated sellers. Thank you. So this is a very loaded question. Let's break it down, though. Well, there's plenty of there's things. Actually, we, several questions. I was going to say there's here, plenty so. of things that we can address. And first off. Uh, it sounds like you're doing a lot of things right. It says you spent thousands of dollars on marketing. So that is yeah, good work. Yeah, Keep no, it up. that's fantastic. Uh, and again, when you don't have a lot of money, that is a big that can be a big investment. Big challenge. Dude. And again, if you mm. could feel like, shoot, I've I've spent thousands of dollars and I'm, I'm haven't done anything. I'm failing. Like, what do I do? Right. Like, I need I need to make money. I, I get it. So uh, the fact that you spent that money is great. So the first thing I would say is I want to address is you spent a bunch of money and it sounds like you got a lot of people calling you in or calling in and you're going on appointments so you're doing a lot of things right what i would say is and what we do here we follow up until those people are motivated so you went out you met a seller at their house they said that they're again and you determined they're not motivated because they said what do you think my house will sell for so again you you're you're saying they're not motivated at that point well if that's true then again, you've got a lead. You've got this pipeline of leads, rather. Yeah, they may not be motivated today, but they may be motivated in three months to three years or, more, or whatever, right. anytime. So you've got this pipeline of leads now that hopefully you can convert into closed deals. Later. So again, I, I don't necessarily see a lot of what you've done is wrong, except for maybe the way that you're approaching the fact that some of these people aren't motivated today. Yeah, maybe not motivated enough. So mm -hmm. let's kind of break some of these questions down. The first question that was actually asked here is, I realize that the motivated seller is only a small percentage of the people that actually want to sell their house. So Mike, you've already kind of addressed that, but also, you know, in the event that you are spending money on marketing, spend it in a direction that has a higher percentage of motivated sellers. So as a perfect example, like people that are that are dealing with, you know, death, divorce or child or children. Those are basically the three main reasons that people are um, buying or selling properties that may have motivation. Okay, death, divorce or children, either the children are moving in or they're moving out or they're being born or whatever the case is death, you know, inherited properties. It's too much to handle. It's too big. It's too small, whatever. Um, and then, of course, divorce. Divorce is a reason for people to sell a lot, too. So those are three lists that I would say target to get motivated sellers versus doing like a money mailer or a value mailer where you hit every door. 
because those people will be tire kickers. Because That's a great point. Like, not, you're not you're not yeah. focusing on motivation. If you're doing every door direct and just all blank, you are going to get a ton of tire kickers, a blanket area. Right. Then, yeah, it is going to be a little bit different. So maybe maybe tweak your marketing a little bit. That may help. Um, it may or may not help, but that's what I would do first and foremost to um, to get rid of you know as many tiger as possible. You know, focus that direct mail and pinpoint the people that you would think would have the highest level of motivation. Uh, the next question was uh, being anxious to complete deals. I show up at the house only to be met with, "What do you think my house will sell for?" I love when they ask me that question because I just flip it around on them. What do you think it'll sell for? And I'll usually already have an idea in my head. And then they'll tell me. And 98 times out of 100, it's way high. Mm -hmm. you know. Um, but I'll ask them, why do you think it will sell for that? But this is perfect. I love that they ask this question. This question should not be something that you are facing and it lets you down. Because the next, the next thing you say, it is kind of a letdown. I love when they say, what do you think my house will sell for? I love it. Because then I'll flip it around on them. And I'll say, what do you think it'll sell for? And then I'll present comps. And I'll say, well, let's look at the market. And again, this is one of those things where it's, it's not me versus you. It's not me buyer versus you, Mr. Seller. It's me and you versus the market. So you got you to you know, buddy up with this person. Create rapport. You know, become their friend in a short period of time. People like, people like themselves. You said this mm -hmm. last episode, Mike. And, um, and, and work with them to figure out what that number is. So, you know, present comps to them, show them where, where it's at, look at the condition of those properties, and then look at their property. And then start talking about what it's going to take to get that to those numbers. And then also let them know that people aren't going to buy a property and break even or lose money on it. So if a property has an after repair value of 100 but it needs twenty grand worth of work, that property is not worth $80,000 today. That is a big misconception that people think, oh, well, it needs twenty grand worth of work, it's worth $100,000, i will give it to you for eighty. Well, why on earth would I buy a, an ad, buy a piece of property, put 20 grand into it, and then break even on it? It's not going to happen. So then you have to factor in those fees as well, those additional costs. But that is not necessarily um, a letdown in my opinion. I love that question. So moving on. I need to learn how to filter out the tag kickers and focus and learn how to work, not deal with truly motivated sellers. So a lot of this actually can be done on the phone, in my opinion. It's filtering. So when somebody calls you on the phone and they have a um, they have a property that they're looking to sell, the easiest way to determine motivation is ask them why they need to sell. And then just shut up. Let them start talking. It's pretty they're going to tell you if there's a death or a divorce or a child issue. They are going to tell you, this is why I need to sell. I am in a distressed situation and I need to sell. 100%. I mean, it's the, it's the easiest thing. I mean, it really right. is just shut up. And if they say on the phone, well, I'm just kind of curious what, what it would sell for. I'm not really looking to sell today. My kid's in school, and he's only a sophomore, so we got three more years. Well, I, I'm not going to waste time going out on that appointment. Well, one of the things that you'll come across uh, pretty frequently is, so you, you ask them, so you'll say, why do you want to sell? And they'll say, well, you sent me the mailer, so I'm just kind of curious. Just kind of curious. We'll say, okay. It's a tire kicker. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, right there. You right. could say that. Or you could say, well, okay, so why did you call then? Right. Again, what I mean, do you, what information are you looking for to get out of me? Right. I mean, I mean, you could say, listen. I mean, Zillow gives you a pretty good idea. I mean, without looking at the house, without looking at it, I could never tell you what your house is worth. You have a better idea than I do. That's so true. I mean, again, they're they're being a little bit obtuse with you. You got to be a little obtuse with them too. Yep. Again, it's that whole mirroring mirroring concept. That's a very point. Uh, you again, you got to get on the same page. Listen, I'm here to help you, but only if you want help. Only if you want you help. Know? That's so true. I yeah. love that. 
So yeah, that's that's basically. I think we summed that that one up pretty well. But um, you know, you can screen people that call on the phone to determine motivation. And just because they're not motivated, it doesn't mean they're not going to be motivated later. So don't waste time going on appointments for unmotivated sellers, but put them in your follow-up system. Don't ever throw that lead away. You paid for that lead. You know, so, so follow up in six months to a year if they're not motivated, but get their name and number. And if they want you to make them an offer on the phone, you know, there's tons of ways to make offers on the phone um, to let people know that you are an investor and that you don't pay retail other than doing what I do and tell them, I am an investor. I do not pay retail. Mm-hmm. Well, you want to set that. You want to set that precedent very clearly. And David does it all the time. I mean, I hear him God, say it's it. It's the first thing I tell people on the yeah. phone. But I, but I, but I, I frame it in a way that I can provide you a solution to your problem. But you know, don't get the impression that I will be out there and paying retail as an investor. I'm not in business to lose money. I have to make money on this. Now, I'm not trying to get rich on your single individual property. But again, back to that formula, you know, 100 minus 20 is not equal 80 in this case. Mm-hmm. Equals 70 yeah. or even 60 and sometimes 40. That's a really good thing. And I, <laughs> I really like that because I forget that too sometimes. Right. You know, when you're you out on the point and you're that. like, oh, okay, we'll hear this. Then minus 30,000 are repairs. Well, that doesn't mean your offer is, again, 80,000. Like not said. at all. It doesn't work you're, that way, guys. Listen, I'm, I'm an investor. I'm here to make money. I'm not here to buy at the retail price. Yeah. So I mean, again, if I and I tell them too. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, but go for it. I, I'm looking for that win-win. So in order for you to win and me to win, we have to come up with a, with a solution that provides both of us an answer to our problem, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're out in the field, and I do this all, all the time when I'm out in the field, is I tell them I'm looking for the win-win. I'm an investor. I don't pay retail. You know, if I pay you what you're asking, I lose. Do you want me to lose? Is that why you're, I'm here? Like, I don't want you to lose. Like, let's shoot for that win-win. So let's find a number that works for the both of us, you know? So... Again, lots of questions in this one here, but... Um, but again, I think you were kind of hitting on the right thing, though, for this person. If you're listening, you have a great pipeline. You've got these leads. Hopefully, you have them organized. If not, they're in your phone. Scroll through your previous call history. Right, figure right. it out. Look up the addresses yeah, that you want to. Create a follow-up system, And guys. follow up with them. Build again, a funnel gu- and follow up. I guarantee, just from that question, it sounds like you've probably got a lead in there that you could go close today. Absolutely. Uh, we, I mean, we, we harped on this with one of our students in the past, or recently, in our mm-hmm. recent history. Uh, and said, listen, you've got these this pipeline. Go close a deal. You need inventory. You've got this pipeline. I guarantee you, you can put one of these properties under contract and get it sold. Yeah, so we, again, kind of like We did this. that with one of our students a couple of weeks ago, and then he did like four deals in the next month. Right. I mean, it's four, unbelievable. Yeah. It's yeah. unbelievable. Again, it, you just need that, that kind of right. kick in the pants mm-hmm. uh, saying, hey, listen, you, you're doing things right, except this. So yep. it's just this minor little tweak. And that's what I would say to you is, when somebody, and Dave, you, you addressed it earlier, when you're going there and you hear, what do you think my house is worth or what do you think it'll sell for, don't see that as a negative. Think that as ding, 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 they don't know, or ding, 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 they're, they want to sell their house still. I mean, again, you've got somebody who's interested in selling. That's a great thing. So mm-hmm. look at it that way. Uh, approach the situation just slightly differently, and I think you're really going to uh, yeah, catapult yourself into a little bit more successful right. situation. I love it. Let's move on here. Uh, I'm scrolling through some of these questions. We've already answered a lot of these. We have a lot of people asking the same questions, which is good because um, we've covered a lot of this. The next one that I want to touch on is this one here. Okay. I'm going to read it out loud here, guys. It says, gaining valuable experience. So I'm 18 years old, and I'm itching to get involved with real estate investing. However, I have small funds and little experience. Well, guess what? When we all started in this business, we had small funds and little experience. So you're not, you're not, you know, outside of the, uh, of the norm in this scenario. Um, I'm research, I'm researching wholesaling. 
However, I still have no idea how to form a contract with the homeowner that is an investor, that an investor, I'm sorry, will be happy with, as well as the laws and regulations around this. So um, in this scenario, I would say we have free, free contracts, free purchase and sale contracts and option contracts, I believe. In our free wholesale course, we have examples. Examples, right? Again, now I'm not. We're not attorneys. We're not lawyers, so we're not giving you legal advice. If you want something that uh, is 100% compliant, you're going to have to talk to a lawyer. If you want something that's 100% whatever, you're going to have to talk to a lawyer, which but, is going to cost money, right? But here's the thing: you don't need to do that. Mm-mm. Use a contract that. We, you know what I'm going to do, Mike? I'm going to yeah. put a goal for myself in the next month. I'm going to get a contract on a napkin. Do it. That'd be great. And I'm going to close a deal with it, and we're going to do a case study on it because I want to. Or a handwritten one, like a piece of paper. Yeah, fine. I mean, that's yeah. what I mean, basically. Yeah. But like a little, I mean, it could be ripped up, too. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter. Mm-hmm. But basically, just show how simple, you know, a contract can be. You only need a couple things to make it legal. Um, and basically, it's just signatures, dates, you know, and, and description of what's happening. It's that simple, guys. Um, but I'm going to do that, and that just to help people that are having this example, or, you know, in this scenario, that are struggling with, you know, contracts to show them that that's the easiest part of this business, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, it's, a really piece of, it's a one-page piece of paper, and it could be on a napkin. Yeah, and I'll take so, it to a title company with 100 bucks or $500 in escrow, and I will buy that house from a napkin contract. That simple. So um, anything you, you want to touch on this, though, Mike? Well, you know who you could have done that with is Bruce. Recently. I know. I just I could have. Yeah, just thinking, just thinking out loud. Well, mm-hmm. We just had a guy who was super, super motivated. Uh, we're really, really going to end up helping him out. We are. We're going to help him out so big it's, time. So it's an exciting one. It's a win-win for, for, for both, both parties involved. Right. Um, but, yeah, I think that I think that you're overthinking it. Uh, what I wanted to kind of finish my thought, which was, again, you need a lawyer to get it perfect. But take it to a title company. If you've got a contract, you, I mean, again, find a title company that you're going to work with. Yeah. Say, hey, listen, this is the contract I'm thinking about using. Will this work for you guys? Yeah, will you accept this? 99% chance they're going to say yes. If Again. they don't, they're going to tell you why, right. and they're going to fix it for you, or you can fix it right there. Yeah, the title company is your best friend. So if you, are, if you haven't done deals yet or you've only done a couple and you're new to the business and you have questions, you know, hire a coach or a mentor would be my first, my first solution to you. That's what I did. I have coaches and mentors to this day, and we have a coaching and mentorship program. So if you're looking for a coach or a mentor, reach out to us. Me and Mike are here to help people. And, uh, you know, we love doing it. We love it. Um, but beyond that, we have a free course, which is designed to help people get started. Um, and last but not least, find a local title company and just walk in there and just say, hey, I'm looking to start doing business. They are in business to serve you. They want your business. So they're not going to be like, what do you need? Get out of here. They're going to say, great, we would love your business. What can we do to help you? Mm-hmm. And then ask them, oh, uh, you know what? Now that you ask, I'm having trouble with contracts. Here's one I found online. You know, will you accept it, like Mike said? And nine times out of ten, they're going to say yes. And if they say no, they're going to tell you why. Exactly. So, you know, they can essentially kind of be a coach to you in, in terms yeah, of contracts. It's, super, it's, again, I think that that's uh, just a, a fear of whatever. I mean, it's a, it's a reason that you're scared of it's starting. It's a reason. It's a love so, that. Or an excuse, rather. Excuse. And your excuse is that It's not I, a challenge. It's an excuse. It's an excuse. Is yeah. I don't know which contract to use that someone's going to be happy with. Well, it doesn't matter if they're happy with it. It just doesn't work. I mean, again, nobody's – you're not making right. people happy with the Well, contract. the second part it's, of this question is is how – so I've researched wholesaling. However, I still have no idea how to form a contract from – the homeowner, but the second part mm. is that an investor will be happy with. Okay, well, you are an investor, so are you happy with the contract? I mean, just put yourself in those people's shoes. What makes somebody happy um, in, in, in a contract 
is different for each and every person. But most investors are gonna want time. So if your contract is gonna close in three days, that's gonna be very difficult to sell. If it's gonna close in 30 to 45 days, so great. it buys you time. Great point. So I mean, think of it, put yourself in the shoes of the investor. Inspection periods with, with CYA clauses to cover your arse mm -hmm. um, is a you know is a must. So put those in there. Investors will like those, you know. Um, and um, and then having the ability to close, you know, down the road. I, we always put on or before because mm -hmm. if we do a contract for sixty days out, but we sell it in a week, and that and that rehabber slash investor needs their next project in a week. We can then close it in a week. So we have on or before in front of our dates. We put those dates out, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 days. It just kind of varies. So, yeah, that's – I wouldn't look at that as a challenge so much as an excuse. You're right. You nailed it, Mike. Yeah, Absolutely. and it's an easy one to overcome. Again, I get it. It is definitely um, – there is some fear with that in writing a contract because, again, it sounds like this was a younger person. You said, I'm 18. The first one so I did, I – Gave the seller you told me ten dollars <laughs> cash because that's what the earnest money on the yeah. contract was. I didn't know. I had no idea. But I, you know what? I didn't care. I failed at that. I lost that ten bucks. I care less about so that. The, the, but I didn't open escrow with a title company, a third party escrow or earnest money company. So let's talk about that. So what Dave should have done was taken that contract and the earnest and money, the ten dollars, to the title company or right. escrow company. Instead, I gave it to the seller. And then yeah. I held that contract, not knowing that I needed to go open escrow. Yeah. But I still helped him. I bought the house. It was a win-win. But I failed fast, and I failed forward. Yeah, that's great, though. Again, you know? it's going to happen. And again, if you do something similar. And if I would have or... sat there and, 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 and had the challenge, or in this case, the excuse of, well, I don't know what to do. You know, maybe I just will just you know, kick the can down the road a little bit. I never would have gotten that deal, and I never would be where I'm at today because of that. Mm -hmm. So fail fast, fail forward. Love it. Uh, where are we at? We've got about 19 minutes. We're going to answer one more here for right, this do episode it. here. Uh, anything that's popping out at you on this list here, Mike? Um, coming up with funds. Let's do that one towards the bottom. Right here. Coming okay. up with funds. Go ahead and read. read it out loud, Mike. So coming up with funds, then maybe guidance for the deal. What stuff to pick out for the house and finding contractors? Okay, so this one's more of a, uh, a, rehabber, a rehabber type question. And... Uh, I guess the coming up with funds. So yeah, let's break it down into two or three questions here because it yeah, really is there's a lot questions. of So the first part of this was coming up with funds. Let's just start with that. Okay. Period. So two challenges. Okay. So first off, if you don't have any money and you're trying to get started in real estate investing, there's going to be a cost to acquiring the money. So get used to it. Yeah. Uh, so the true. cost typically you're going to probably work with a hard money lender because it's a lot easier than working with a bank for this rehab type of property. Uh, again, that's just, again, if you're just getting started, I'm suspecting you're probably gonna need to go look at uh, hard money lenders in your area or try to find a hard money lender that's gonna give you a loan based primarily on the asset, not necessarily on you or your experience. So coming up with the funds is, again, start with hard money lenders. Uh, once you've gained a little experience, then you might be able to work with uh, banks. Mm -hmm. The other option is private lenders. So again, if you have friends, family um, that, that have money and you're willing to approach them and say, listen, I'm doing some real estate investing, I'd really love to partner with you on this deal and you know, I, I would love to um, you know, get started investing and I need, to, I need to borrow some money. So again, mm -hmm. you, if you're comfortable approaching your friends or family and doing that, uh, go for it. I mean, private money yeah. is gonna be a little bit cheaper than 
hard money, and it's going to be a hell of a lot easier than getting a loan from a bank. That's so, so true. You've got, uh, so I want to add one more, and then I want to I want to kind of circle back a little bit. So yeah. you had mentioned hard money. You had mentioned bank loans, mm-hmm. uh, which also kind of uh, incorporates lines of credits. Um, oh, yeah. You have to have yeah. some assets and or income to be able to work with banks, period. If you don't have income or assets, they are not going to lend you. Um, hard money lenders are not hard to work with. It's kind of a misconception with the word hard. Um, it's not hard to get those loans. Um, the hard part of hard money refers to a hard asset. So they are lending money on that asset or on that deal, um, not necessarily lending it to a person. So a person obviously is going to have to um, you know, back that loan, but at the same time, it is being backed by the hard asset. So hard money is a great way to get started. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you find a deal, and it is a deal, no hard money lender will, will walk away from that. They will lend it because they're going to lend you money to make money on that. And if you can't do it, they're going to take that asset back, and then they're going to make money on it. Basically, you are finding them deals. And some of these hard money lenders out there you know, cross their fingers that people don't Yeah, they're do. okay with it. They're, they, yeah, they're okay with people not fulfilling those obligations. They take that property back, and then they just have a deal. That you yeah. went and found but again, uh, so don't worry about that. Right. I mean, again, be aware of it. Uh, right. Make sure you're working with a reputable hard money lender, somebody who's you know right. uh, done deals in the real estate club, mm-hmm. or you again get a recommendation on That's that. That's true. But, so bank loans, line of credit, hard money, touched on those. Private funds. Private funds is basically just getting somebody to lend you money to go buy a piece of real estate. And as Mike mentioned earlier, those funds um, may have a higher. They may be a little bit more expensive than a bank loan. Typically, it's going to be less than hard money. Um, but basically, it's you're looking for that win-win. You have a guy or a girl out there that is, you know, has extra money in their in their IRA or just extra money in their checking account, and they want to make a return on it. So they lend it to you for eight, 10, 12, 14 percent, whatever that could be, or it could be any any scenario. You then take that money, buy real estate, and flip it, make money, and you pay them back plus the interest. So you know, private funds can be acquired from strangers at at networking events. Or they can be acquired from your brother or sister or aunt Sue and let's who not, has money. And this I mean, is, it could be anybody. And we're talking about a one-off. We're, just to one clarify, off, right. we're talking about one one person lending for one property. Again, if you're going to get into anything with pooling money, you're going to need to talk to an attorney. Yeah, you're yeah, going to need to get it could definitely get a lot more, get more and more yeah. Yeah, complicated. But last but not least, those are the three that we've covered. But I don't want to forget this. JV, joint venture with another investor or wholesaler oh, brilliant, man. in your marketplace. So actually, I know the person that asked, asked this question. I met them just about two, two weeks ago. Nice. Okay. So I'm going to speak to anybody that's listening or watching this episode that's in the St. Louis area. If you find a deal and you don't have money, contact me. My office is in Brentwood. Walk in here and sit down, and I will help you fund this deal if it is a deal. Okay, joint venture with me or another investor or wholesaler in your marketplace. Okay, money is actually one of the easiest things to come up with when you have a deal. Deals sell themselves. You know, it's not hard to uh, to get financing for a very, for a good deal if you have a good deal. It still takes a little bit of time, though. Let's it does. Clarify, I don't want to. Well, I don't want to mislead. Let's just talk uh, on what we just did. Sure. So one of the guys in our office. Uh, had somebody back out of one of his deals. And this is great. So he had two days. Today's before. Friday. We're recording this on, on Friday. This happened Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Wednesday yep. afternoon. 
Okay. So go ahead. I just okay. Wanna yeah. So he had, he had his buyer uh, was unable to get approved, so basically backed out of this deal, and he had to either purchase this property or walk away from it today. Within two days Within of two it, bringing days, it to us. 48 hours, he had to come up with the money to buy the deal, mm-hmm. or he had to walk away from it. So we said, well, we're, we're interested. We'll take a look. We ran down, looked at the property. It's uh, It looks like a fantastic deal on paper. We've got our fingers crossed. We're closing on it today, and we'll, uh, again, hopefully hopefully make some money together. Yeah, it's, it's a so, great, great solution to getting funds fast. You know, other investors have lines of credit. Uh, other wholesalers like us, we have lines of credit that we can go walk in the bank and pull that out same day. Um, so, you know, in the event that you are needing money to fund a deal and you don't want to go the hard money route, the private fund route, or you don't have the ability to get lines of credit or your own bank loan, Go work with other investors that have all three of those abilities, like we do. And again, it's give some... us more than three days, though, please. Yes. We, uh, the more time. <laughs> going back to the previous yes. one, the more time, the better. But you could put me in any market in the nation at this point, and I could, you know, start sending out mail with no money. I mean, obviously, I have to have some money to, to, to market. But I could basically find a deal, and then I could go find another investor in that city that I could have JV and fund that deal for me, or just sell it straight to them. It's 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 actually pretty easy. To do that you as just, long as it's a deal as long as it's a deal yeah. that's so true that's so true uh, did we cover that one in full for oh, the most what else part we got on there. i forget where it was uh there's the right here right there okay what stuff to pick out of the house and finding contractors so i think this is what stuff to pick out of the house how do you define that mike like um, so i think this is someone who's looking for rehabbing advice rehabbing advice okay so that one i mean again i think that's a lot of personal preference my advice would be you're trying to market to the masses so don't pick out stuff that has a more generic or more uh specific Niche taste type of taste yeah. so again the we call it grayish so it's like the beige of gray <laughs> we put uh, in every house is, is pretty much gray paint uh, white trim, uh, just kind of kind of simple, classy. Yeah, because the masses stuff. will walk in there, and our, and the and the majority of people will agree that it looks clean and nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're not yeah, putting so up pink paint that you know one in a thousand people right. are gonna like. or zebra or leopard carpet right. or something. <laughs> again, hey, and nothing wrong with that. But again, right. it's a much more specific, most people won't like it. Though. It's a more specific buyer. Yeah. So that's basically what you're doing when you're rehabbing houses is taking something that is kind of specific or outdated and you're just updating it to kind of today's modern standards. What would a uh, new home builder build, uh, but maybe just a little bit more clap or a little bit more style than that. Mm-hmm. So again, then we use mostly uh, stainless or chrome brushed nickel uh, finishes. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, you can, again, depends on, depends on the area. I would suggest looking at other houses that have sold around that one mm-hmm. and kind of use them for some styling. Cues. Yeah. And finding contractors, we kind of touched on this in the last episode on one of those questions, but you know, network and trial and error guys network with other investors that, you know, have, um, either have crews or they work with construction companies and, you know, get feedback from them on, you know, what they're paying and how that process worked. Um, and then also um, trial and error. You know, you can find people that will do good work, but they're slow or they're expensive. Um, then again, you can find people that you know don't do great work, but they can get it done really quick and they're cheap. So it's like pick what you need for that particular deal, that particular um, neighborhood, sure. that particular property. Well, and then there's some there's some great sites out there too that help you find contractors. I mean, one the classic is Craigslist. I mean, you can always post, "Hey, I need a contractor." Amazon for this. offers it now. Does it? Does it really? They, I did not they know do that. home services now. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then there's uh, was there Thumbtack? And Thumbtack is a good one. Uh-huh. Um, there's a ton of them. I mean, really, just go into Google and type in contractor 
comma, your market. Right. And just because you're trying to be an investor, it doesn't mean that you're always trying to find the cheapest contractor. That doesn't equate to the best job mm-hmm. or the best uh, situation. The best scenario. Yeah. Right, right. So, so, yeah, pretty good stuff. Love it, man. All right. So the pur- purpose of the episode, overcoming wholesaling challenges. Um, a lot of the things that, that you know, that, y- that I'm reading here, um, they, they're challenges to other people. But to me, they just kind of sound like excuses, you know? So I'm not trying to upset any of the listeners that we answered your question particularly. But, um, you know, a lot of these aren't necessarily hard challenges to overcome. You know, they're just, you just don't know. You're, people are ignorant in the true definition of that word, meaning they just don't know. Yeah, absolutely. Well, absolutely. You know? And again, it is a challenge for you. We're not downplaying that. Right. It is a challenge. But it's also, it is an excuse in your brain. So you have to click it over to say, hey, that's, a, that's something I can't do. You have to bust through that and say, how no. do I do this? Yeah, it, yeah. It, it, is a, it is something that you can overcome. These are all easily overcome obstacles, and you're ready to do it. I Love mean, that's it. That's basically all there is to it, guys. So. All right, Mike. Let's do it. Good deal. Thanks for listening, guys. We will catch you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Discount Property Investor Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, share, and subscribe to help us reach a wider audience. To jumpstart your real estate investing career, please visit freewholesalecourse.com, the most complete free course on wholesaling real estate ever. We would also appreciate it if you left us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Thank you in advance for your support. And remember, you make your money when you buy and you get paid when you sell. Now let's go build some wealth.